1: The day that the Lord hath made, I will rejoice I big, exceedingly glad. I lift up my eyes, I lift of, of my head. What's coming from the Lord, Great God Almighty, that I'll never, never fail?
0: Can't help but tell what He's done for me. I lift my soul. The steps walking right, gave
1: me eyes to see the light. This, day, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day, day that right, right the Lord has made. I'm here I'll rejoice. I, I need to see the light. I'll enter mine. I'll die. Where it's from, my head. What's coming from the Lord? Praise God. A body that will never fail. Let the earth be glad, let the hills be but the sea roll back. Let the earth, I let the sea, let the wind and let the rain, let the sun, I let the moon, I let the young and let the old, let the church, let the church, let the church, let exceedingly glad. this day, this is the day that the Lord has made.
2: good morning from Coolidge Arizona we are joining you once again with our uh, lesson from the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God as being the theme and this is March the 7th 2021 and if you're keeping track this is episode number 26 of this gospel series now um, we really do appreciate your attendance today um, and joining us in this lesson. Uh, I hope uh, that you're going to be able to upload in the entirety uh, last week's lesson. We weren't able to stream to to everyone. Some people received it um, and some didn't. And uh, different things, and we had trouble, difficulty here that we knew about, but we went ahead with the program. So that is on uh, uh, TalkShoe to to be listened to. Of course, it's uh, integral with the lesson that I have today, so I would suggest that you do that if you you can or if you haven't already. Now, where we left off last week, the crowd that Jesus is speaking to and teaching I think is starting to accept his words according to the text they are and this is causing a little different dynamic in Jerusalem because now the Pharisees have decided to have him arrested so I hope that that you are um, enjoying the dynamic of these encounters that Jesus has with his people, especially in Jerusalem, but also in other places. But here in Jerusalem, he's dealing with a lot of the leaders, so-called, of Israel. They were the the, the uh, elders of the people, um, the Pharisees, the the priests, things of that sort, and uh, outside of the governing authority, of course, would have been the Romans, but Jesus is speaking to the Jews. He's not preaching to the Romans uh, at all. What he has to say is pertains to them at this point. So uh, after saying that, I want to pick up again in uh, verse 32. And we're going to go through 39, and then we'll discuss what we've read and uh, and, and see how uh, all of this fits with last week. Now, <clears throat> actually, in verses uh, 30 and 31, the people are asking questions and making a conclusion in their mind. You know, And they, they ended with this thought, will, when the Messiah, when the Christ, when he may come, will he do more signs? Than these that this one did, they refer to Jesus as this one. Uh, so they're they're really feeling the the weight of the evidence here, and the weight of the words. So in verse thirty-two, we read this: The Pharisees heard the multitudes murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers that they may take him. Jesus therefore said to them, Yet a little time and I am with you, and I go away unto him who sent me. Now this this again is Jesus referring back to the idea that he has been sent by God. And this is the point he's trying to get across. If, they can accept this, they'll have no trouble with his teaching. But this is the brunt of the the situation, and he makes this statement again with a little more information about going away, going back to him. And he goes on. You will seek me, and yet not you shall not find. And where I am, yea, are they not able to come? You are not able to come. This is quite a challenge to them because they felt they could go anywhere he went. He just walks on the road the same as they do. Uh, so this is bringing more questions to their minds. Verse 32 or 35 starts with the phrase, the Jews. Now that's the context. The Jews are the people listening to Jesus here. The Jews, therefore, said among themselves, Whither is this one about to go that we shall not find him? To the dispersion of the Greeks, is he about to go and to teach the Greeks? What is this word that he said, You will seek me and you shall not find? And... Where I am, you are not able to come. And in the last, the great day of the feast, remember this is the Feast of Tabernacles, Mm -hmm. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone doth thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I want to point out that word, cried, again. This isn't he stood up, waved his hands, and, and spoke in a normal vo- voice. No. He's speaking above above the noise of the group. And in an emotional way, saying something here that seems to almost be out of out of order except for what he's saying. That's exactly what he means. He's offering uh, the fact come to him and... Um, uh and, and and let them drink now they needed to understand what that meant but he also went on to say he who is believing in me according as the writing says in other words this is all confirmed in in the scriptures in the Hebrew scriptures the, the law and the prophets and the psalms, He said, rivers out of his belly shall flow living water. There's more information. Now, uh, the the last verse uh, here, verse 39, I'll read it, and we'll look, look at it a little closer in just a moment. And this he said of the spirit which those believing in him were about to receive. For not yet was spirit given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. There's no article in front of spirit in the last phrase.
0: Is the bully there?
2: Um, We could check that. I I think that it may be there. Uh, We can talk
1: about those believers, too.
2: Yeah. Nope. No, nope, not there. Okay, all of that is, is not there. It's um, the, the phrase has been mistranslated badly for reasons that I don't wanna deal with this morning in, in a timely manner. <clears throat> but this, this is, you gotta understand what they heard Is really what's recorded in the text Mm -hmm. not what we might read in our translation that's an important fact and you know it well uh, from listening to these lessons now verse 32 as I said Jesus words are powerful and cause the leaders great concern now what what how do we define their concern they're worried about their position of authority because you know, one of the things that the people said concerning Jesus when he spoke: "No one teaches us with the authority that he speaks." And don't think for a second the leaders didn't hear that and feel that also. So there's definitely a uh, a strain here between Jesus and the leaders or the teachers, if you will. The Pharisees were the teachers. The the uh, the uh, chief priests and the priests themselves were the teachers. These were the teachers. They were responsible for teaching the Jewish people. They hadn't done a very good job in in many ways. But as we go on to the next verses, the question is asked, where is Jesus going? Where is this one going? He's making statements that are are rather bold. and the fact that they have no power to follow, to come, to find him? Now, they made a phrase here about, is he going to the Greeks, the dispersion? Well, there's two things here. The the Jewish people had dispersed themselves amongst the Greek-speaking people in like Asia Minor and and Syria and, uh, throughout the, the land. This had been happening long before Jesus was uh, born. So it could have meant that, is he just going to go there? Or, you know, what I really think is I kind of wish the leaders thought he was going there and leave them alone because he's causing them difficulty, uh, stress, if you will. Uh, So there were other Jews to go preach to, um, and those Jews were preached to by the apostles uh, later after the work, but remember, Jesus is not leaving the area of the Jews, their homeland. His work is for them and for them alone at this time. Now, this phrase that Jesus makes, the two verses, 37 and 38, about the uh, uh, thirst, let him come unto me and drink in rivers out of his belly. Let's look at Revelation 21. God says the same thing in Revelation 21 concerning the kingdom of God and the people in it and those that are seeking the kingdom, those that are in the kingdom. Chapter 21, verse 6 and 7 says, And he said to me, that is, God said to John, It hath been done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I, to him who is thirsting, will give of the fountain of the water of life freely. He who is overcoming shall inherit all things, and I will be to him a God, and he shall be to me a son, the son. Now, this is the condition of those that are living with God in the New Jerusalem in, in the kingdom of God, isn't that exactly what Jesus is saying to the Jews? You need to come to me for this drink. If you are thir- if you thirst and see thirst is the same. We could use the word seek. Mm-hmm. They're thirsting. They're seeking God, and God said in uh, Hebrews eleven six um, that uh, I should read it because every time I quote it, I misquote it. And apart from faith, it is impossible to please well, for it behooveth him who is coming to God to believe that he is, and to those seeking him, he becometh a rewarder. Seeking God is the duty of man. Not God seeking man, but man seeking God. You see, God has done his part. God has taken care of man. He's provided him with all that he has. And now, 2,000 years ago, provided him with a Savior that would allow a man and women to live with God in the kingdom of God, time without end. But not not to anyone who is not seeking. Seeking is the, the key. Thirst causes you to seek water, right? Or seek some sort of drink. Who um, and Jesus says, "Come unto me and drink." So, I want to want to get that get that across. Verse 39 now is a verse that's very powerful. And I think it has a lot of importance to the gospel idea all, all by itself. It, it just is a powerful passage and we'll we'll read a, a verse as soon as we talk about this that I think caps it off. So in this he said and this Jesus said of the spirit by the way that's in the neuter gender. so friends we're not talking about the Trinity here. I'm sorry it doesn't exist in the Bible but the spirit does. Uh, we don't dismiss the Spirit because we understand what it means. It's the breath effect of God, which those believing in Him, that is, in, in Christ, in Jesus, were about to receive. And the word, uh, Young's translates this properly, um, most versions don't. Um, but that about to is the word, the Greek word mellow. And it carries the idea that uh, these things were at hand, weren't they? These things were at hand um, in, a, in a time frame. They, they weren't promises for, for uh, you know uh, millennia ahead. <clears throat> these were promises for things that were about to be um, for those that are hearing His voice. And then it explains about the Spirit in, in the about to receive. And it says, For not yet was the Spirit given. Why? Why isn't the Spirit given yet? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Yet. That's right. He and God announced that He was He has made him both Christ and Lord. That's Acts two two thirty nine, I believe, or, or two no two thirty six. Uh, anyway the idea there you know there's a timetable here friends and we can't get ahead of ourselves and we we can't fit men's um, uh, creeds uh, Trinitarianism and everything in a verse like this it just rejects all of that and yet we have to understand that Jesus said this to the people So we need to get a grip on reality here about what this really means. He wasn't glorified. Uh, You know what, it's kind of hard to get behind
1: that when the the English text uh, just spells it out so plainly uh, (coughs) for that new creed.
2: I know it does. But I think in most parts when these versions are not done by evil men typically but they're trying to to promote the doctrine that is they are presupposing in their head that they have always learned what they were always taught that's why we we say if you're going to read an english version um, try the young's uh, literal version it's a lot more accurate even the darby version is better written by people that they had some baggage, but so do all of us. They had some baggage, but it didn't weigh them down. They were they were honest enough with the translation that they put in what it means. And this about to be about to receive is exactly what it means. It certainly doesn't mean uh, thousands of years. This, this was about uh, about a year away from the crucifixion. Less. Less than a year. Less. Uh, the next year would be the crucifixion, the time of Pentecost area, or not Pentecost, but uh, the Passover of the next next year.
0: It doesn't make. Never mind that. There's no even no no reference of the of Pentecost, and, there isn't. you know there's
1: no reference of Pentecost in that verse. No, no. Not in this no.
0: verse. That's you know it's no. its own thing, and there are there are lots of other things that have to happen before the people can receive a spirit you know or can have their spirit
1: right
2: uh, it is a general statement but it has so much to do but you know isn't that just the thing just what the gospel does mm-hmm. this uh, to hear something like this from Jesus would have caused them to want to know what he means by this what is it that's going to be received about to we are about to receive and, and the, the spirit, the spirit is not yet given. Of course, they didn't hear that part. Um, I don't think Jesus said that, but he did say the others. Uh, previous verses. But Jesus not glorified. He had not accomplished all that was necessary at this point, which would include the rest of his teaching, the, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the final teaching of the apostles, the ascension, and, and the Pentecost when the gospel and the good news was preached. You see, the, all of this is to the glory of Christ. To the glory of Christ. He'd been glorified in heaven uh, at this time. He returned as, as the Lamb of God. In this time frame, that I've just spoke about which was 31 AD in, in our our rendering of it now let's look at John 14 what Jesus said to the Apostles uh, just uh, uh, some time later uh, not very long later John 14 17 and 18 he's speaking about the comforter or the player paracletes that in the Greek which is the, ex- the exact essence of himself All right, that's what the paracletes is. That's what the spirit that as we refer to it here is In the case that follows these verses in the rest of the Bible verse 17 the spirit of of truth Whom the world is not able to receive Because it doth not behold him see it doesn't see him nor know him and You know him, remember who he's talking to, the apostles. You know him because he doth remain with you and shall be, listen to this, and shall be in you. You see the difference, don't you, being with someone and being in someone, in in this sense, in the spiritual sense? He was with them in the physical sense, But he would be with them in the spiritual sense that's why the apostle uh, paul wrote that we have the mind of christ and that's first corinthians 2 i think the last verse in the chapter the mind of christ was in the apostles to do what to establish the church to establish the, the kingdom on behalf of the christ and on behalf of the father and verse 18 says, just to confirm what he said, I, that is Jesus, will not leave you bereaved or orphaned. I come unto you. Now, we already know he's going away, but here's the promise that he will come unto them. When does that happen? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is exactly when this happens to the apostles. All right, um, so <laughs> there's so much here. That's why I say the importance to the gospel. Friends, the gospel can have little weight if the the uh, preaching of the gospel, which, by the way, was done by the apostles of Christ and those that they sent. Uh, Jesus preached to the Jews, Jesus preached the nearness of the kingdom, the nearness, and and prepared their minds and hearts for the kingdom, for the decision they would have to make. That these people here that Jesus is speaking to, they're thinking in their minds, how could the, the, the Messiah that that is coming do more signs than this one? And they listen to his words, and, and, and they know that these are deep, meaningful, heavy words. All right. We could go on and on with that, but I'll let you examine that in your own thinking. Um, when we go down to verse, uh, verses 40 through 44, we're going to find here's where the results, I think, of what Jesus is doing. And they're exciting. There, he's getting results. Now there's really good results amongst the people and there's some uh, rather negative results from some of the leaders, the leadership and the authorities, um, as, as far as the, the uh, circumstances would, would have. So let's read 40 through 44. Many. Therefore, out of the multitude, having heard the word, said, This is truly the prophet. That's quite a statement, friends. And I'm going to stop right there because we're going to read Deuteronomy 18. Because when the Jewish people said, This is truly the, the prophet, they were talking about the one that Moses told them about that was coming, and he told them a few other things. Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18. And Moses said to the people, long before this day, uh, before they crossed the River Jordan and went into the Promised Land, he said this, a prophet, out of thy midst, what's that mean? A Jewish prophet, right? Mm -hmm. Out of thy midst, out of thy brethren, like to me, Doth Jehovah thy God raise up to thee unto him ye hearken? That word hearken is not just listen or catch it on. the. No, hearken means you listen to everything. Seriously. Verse 16, According to all that thou didst ask from Jehovah thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not add to... Hear the voice of Jehovah, my God, and this great fire let me not see any more, and I die not. Remember, they begged Moses to, they couldn't stand the voice of God. It was so powerful and frightening. And Jehovah saith unto me, they have done well that they have spoken. I said 18, right? Mm-hmm. A prophet I raise up to them out of the midst of their brethren, like to thee, and I have given my words in his mouth, and he has spoken unto them all that which I command him. Friends, is there any verse in the Bible that says anything more to confirm Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah than this one? God confirming now what Moses is reminding them of. I have given my words in his mouth. That's just what Jesus says to the people. These are not my words alone, but these are the words of him that sent me. And I speak everything that he commands me to speak and to do as far as the miracles and things of that sort. If we want to talk about sovereignty, friends, we're going to have to talk about the sovereignty of God, the Father. And that sovereignty includes Jesus of Nazareth, his son, and it includes everyone and everything else. There is no equal to the Father. The Bible doesn't teach it. And those that are, are considered equal by men's doctrines and creeds deny it. Jesus said, the Father is greater than I. Why did he say that? Because he knew someday somebody would write some spurious material
1: yeah.
2: that would say the opposite.
1: Yeah, Wish they did anyway.
2: Which do you believe? I, I've already made my selection. Verse 41, others said, others, the, more than just the many, Others said, this is the Christ. And others said, why out of Galilee doth the Christ come? You see, they've been hearing for a long time that, of course, the Christ is going to be from the tribe of Judah. It has to be born in Bethlehem, and we'll get to that scripture here in a minute. But they had forgotten what it says in Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, starting with the first verse. A prophet that was uh, many years, actually uh, uh, more than 150 years before Daniel even. But anyway, Isaiah wrote this. As the former time made light, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephali, so the latter hath honored the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now does that sound like anything to you? Well... What it's saying is that something important is coming from Galilee to the Jewish peoples. And, and hear how it goes on. The people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Dwellers in the land of death, shade, light has shone upon them. Thou hast multiplied the nation. Thou hast made joy, our greatest joy. They have joyed before thee as the joy in harvest as men rejoice in their apportioning spoil because the yoke of its burden and the staff of its shoulder and the rod of its exactor thou hast broken as in the day of Midian. For every battle of a warrior is with rushing and remnant rolled in blood and it hath been for burning fuel of fire. And then comes a very... um, a verse that we hear quite often the next two for a christ for a child hath been born that was a freudian slip uh, that is the christ but for a child hath been born unto us a son hath been given to us by the way we can not can we take this out of the jewish context out of the family of the jews the people no princely power is on his shoulder and he doth and he, that is God, doth call his name wonderful, counselor, mighty God, father of eternity, prince of peace. Some of these things are mistranslated a little, but we won't deal with that now. To the increase of his princely power and of the peace, there is no end. That's Daniel chapter 2, friends. On the throne of David and on his kingdom to establish it and to support it in judgment and in righteousness henceforth even unto the age the zeal of jehovah of hosts doth this did the folks forget these passages because something is coming from galilee from naphtali and zebulun from the air that area that's the area by the way where jesus grew up in, in nazareth around the sea of galilee and and uh, yes the 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 Hebrews were there, yes the the, the the Herod family was there, yes the Romans were there, but out of there came Jesus of Nazareth to begin his ministry. All right. Verse forty one, or uh, no, not verse forty one, verse forty two, we have another scripture to read. But did not the writing say that out of the seed of David, and from Bethlehem, the village where David was, the Christ doth come? Well, it does say that. Let's look at um, Micah 5, the first two verses. Another messianic prophecy, just like the one in Isaiah. Now gather thyself together, O daughter of troops. A siege he hath laid against us with a rod they smite on the cheek the judge of Israel. And thou, Bethlehem Ephraim, little to be among the chiefs of Judah, from thee to me he cometh forth, to be ruler in Israel. And his comings forth are of old, from the days of antiquity. Now why does it say that? Because Micah knows he's talking about what Isaiah said. Of course. All this is true. Everything is true. And if we read the Gospels, all of them, what do we find? Joseph and Mary. Mary, the the mother of God, came from where? Nazareth. From the the land that was living in the shadow of, of darkness, of death. They came from there and they went where? They went to Bethlehem because there's a census that the Romans had imposed upon the Jews they had to go to their home tribe city and register their family all the names and so they did and so did Joseph he took Mary with him and they did just that in in Bethlehem uh, as because they were both from the tribe of Judah as, as you know and guess who else was registered their child according to the registry and sometime some long time ago uh, someone actually located in in Roman antiquity in the documents this registration now here's the point if hundreds and hundreds of years later if couldn't have they confirmed this with the family I think they could have but, and it should have been the Pharisees and the priests that did this confirmation. It wasn't the people's responsibility, but they could do it too. They should have confirmed. If they had have found that, that these people came from Nazareth and, and and went to Bethlehem, this is where he was born, and they went back there, Jesus came from there, it would have made the scriptures come alive to them. But apparently they didn't do it. And here's the other thing that I want to point out about this verse, 40, 42. Jesus did not try to tell him this. You know if it'd been me, that's the first thing I'd have said. Well, you need to you need to listen to me. I'm going to give you my itinerary. you know, I'm going to tell you the history here. He didn't do that.
0: I wonder how many people there at the feast went over to where his family was because they had gone up earlier and started pulling on Mary's coat a little bit about yeah. it. And really prime because so many did believe he was the prophet and was the Christ.
2: They had an eyewitness right there. I'm sure that it happened. That could testify to that account. We don't have the documentation of it. Jesus, you know, this is the thing that people of today need to get a grip on. We are responsible to do our own seeking. We're responsible to to sort these things out for ourselves. Jesus, God had done his part. Jesus was doing his part. And now the people needed to do their part. You see, they saw miracles and all, but they didn't see the finger of God in heaven writing, listen to this. No, they didn't. He didn't do that. Could he have done it? Well, of course, he could have done anything he wanted. God will not, God is hidden. As Brother David spent years teaching here, God is hidden. He's hidden for a reason. Unless we come to him by faith and through faith, rather, it's not genuine. You
1: know, you know, it's weaker. What you what you said just a little while ago is true. When God was involved, when God was
2: communicating directly with the people, they didn't like it.
0: <laughs> Scary.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, they didn't like his voice from that mountain. Yeah. That if an animal or they touched the the mountain, they would drop drop over. And, and, and you know what?
1: By the way, I'll also add that, you know, the chief priests, the Pharisees, these, you know, people that are plotting against Christ here, they're seeking. They're seeking just like the religious leaders and the power players seek today. They're seeking their own. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, so everybody's seeking. Big it's big what big you're different. seeking for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Neil, I think they they, I don't know if they knew the you know the prophecy. How how could how could you attain the position of chief priest
2: if you didn't know the word? And, <laughs> and I'm not saying they didn't. Uh, you know, the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. But they should have been able to put these things together very quickly. But you know that's why the people wondered. Do they? Maybe they already know he's the Messiah. He's—they're not saying anything. You know, all these questions are coming up in this chapter. I think it's incredible—the
1: it incredible.
2: dynamic of of this whole encounter here in Jerusalem. We're really seeing it, and you know, you're not going to get this in Sunday school lesson, typically out of a, uh, out of the things that you that are in print that are go through. It's just not there because it's it's a little tedious. I guess, in, in a lot of ways, but we're looking at it uh, for, uh, for a lot of reasons and, and to grow and to really get the, get the idea, the flavor of it uh, so we, we understand. So there was a question, why, you know? And then how about Bethlehem and the seed of David? All these things could have been known and confirmed by the family and even others. But verse 43 and 44, what's the result of this? A division, therefore, arose among the multitude because of him. Because of who? Jesus. A division. Do we see any division today? No, of course not. We've all got it. There's no division today. We know that. And if we read history, some of those poor folks had a little division.
0: We are the world, we
2: are the children. It's like, you know, we're, we're trying to blame human nature for our differences. I'm sorry, we can't do that. Our nature was given to us from God. It's, it's, it's an attribute, not a weakness. Amen. All right? So please uh, understand that this multitude and division in it is exactly where we live. But that doesn't stop the work from going on. Did it stop Jesus? We're going to find out here at the end of this chapter. All of this, a lot of uh, division, a lot of argument. And verse 44 says, And certain of them were willing to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. I, I can't tell you what that means except exactly what it says. It didn't happen. No one laid hands on him. Although there were a lot of them willing, they wanted to. And we're going to find out in just the next little bit here that I'm going to read. There were some people standing there that had been sent to arrest him. You know what? They didn't do it. And we're going to read about it right now we still got time. Um, John 7, verse 45 and on. The officers came. You see, that was the officers that had been sent where we started this. In verse 32, the chiefs, chief priests sent officers that they may take him. The officers, or I call them soldiers, uh, they were the same thing, kind of like in England. Nonetheless, the officers came therefore unto the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Wherefore did ye not bring them? Bring him. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you arrest him and bring him here? That was your, your task. That was your task. This is this English here is not kinda is not how we speak. But you know. The, the, this two two people, uh, the officers came and the, the chief priests were speaking. Well, they had an answer, and here it is. The officers answered, Never so spake a man as this man. Now, is that what they wanted to hear?
1: No.
2: They already knew that, by the way. They've been hearing, too. Well, you know... That could have caused caused them to come to a quick end to their life in those days. Yep. We don't know anything more about that except the they started talking now, the Pharisees and the priests um, in verse forty seven the Pharisees then therefore answered them, answered the the officers, Have you also been led astray? See, to them, this is being led astray to listen to Jesus and His words. Would these yeah. officers have been
0: Roman soldiers or uh, under? No,
2: the no, the Jewish uh, the the, uh, uh, the, the priests and, and the uh, rulers have had their own officers, okay. uh, their own soldiers. Actually, the, some of the Gospels use the word soldiers, and some use officers. Okay. They had their own group that they sent.
0: Yeah, um, police.
1: These were officers
2: sent by the Pharisees. Right. These are the officers sent by the Pharisees and the chief priests, the chief priests being, of course, over the Pharisees also. Mm-hmm. Chief priests being the highest position in Israel. But he was answerable to the governor of Palestine, which at this point was Pilate. <clears throat> but they want to know, the Pharisees want to know if the, if the officers have been led astray. I'm going to read on. Did any anyone out of the rulers believe in him? Or out of the Pharisees? Now, I don't know if that was a the question they wanted the officers to answer or not. I think the Pharisees are saying here, it may be, that the, the rulers don't believe Jesus and neither do the Pharisees. So why are you believing him? Um, or maybe there were other rulers and Pharisees in the group that, there that were also uh, agreeing with Jesus and what he was saying. I'm not sure about that. But it goes on to say, but this multitude that is not knowing the law is accursed. So now what they're saying is the same thing we hear today in our society. The citizens are just uneducated and stupid. So they'll believe anything. If it's shiny and new or whatever. The the
1: Pharisees are saying this.
2: The Pharisees are saying this. That the multitude that is not knowing the law is accursed. In other words, but you see, knowing the law would have made them understand this. Now here we have a person that can't listen to anything more. He's got to say something. Guess who it is? another one of our subjects in the gospel of john the third chapter so as this is being said nicodemus saith unto them one of the pharisees a righteous pharisee nicodemus saith unto them he who and this is he who came by night unto jesus of course we know that being one of them he said doth Our law judge the man, if it may not hear from him first, and know what he doeth? That was a fair question, isn't it? That was their law. They had no right to actually arrest him. They could have summoned him, but not arrest him. That was unlawful, really, uh, unless he was causing a disturbance or whatever. But... No, I don't think they were interested in listening to him. They wanted him to be quiet. That's what keeps coming back to me. Nicodemus is raising a point of their own law to those that should know the law. They seem to be not obeying their own law, the law that came from Moses, that came from God. Verse 52, They answered and said to him, Ark, Thou also out of Galilee? Now they're saying this to Nicodemus. The rest of them, they're criticizing him. Search and see that a prophet out of Galilee hath not risen. See, that's what they're telling Nicodemus. You search and see the a prophet out of Galilee has not risen. So they want him to do the work now. They're not going to do it. Well they're sure they're sure that they're correct. Of course they're wrong. And each one went out to his house. So that broke up the group. But Jesus went out and went on to the Mount of Olives. The soldiers' testimony was courageous and true. I wanna I want to emphasize the issue here of the powerful words. jesus because let's let's face it these men would have not been swayed very easily they heard him and they said never so spoke a man as this man that's the power of of the word of god friends that's why we can hold up the scriptures and say this is the word of God. Now my question is, can we convey this message today in a way that is convincing as it was to these officers that came to arrest him? They went to arrest him and bring him back and they came back empty handed with this statement. To me that shows courageous attitude. Search and see, that is what the true seeker must do, but all of them should have been searching and coming to a uh, an understanding. Mm-hmm. Pharisees, they didn't. They do not want the others to believe in Christ's words, Jesus' words. They didn't want them to believe in it, uh, which was really the opposite of, of their mission in Israel. They were the teachers. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus: "You are a teacher of the law." It's your job to teach the people, the ones that they called uh, not knowing the law, and they're accursed. But Jesus remains in Jerusalem, it says in the last verse. Unafraid, unafraid in the face of opposition. How many false messiahs that came to Jerusalem would after this kind of an issue would would stay stay around. I'm sure they went off and hid until they got another opportunity somewhere. But when you have the chief priests and the Pharisees looking for you, uh, you've uh, you've definitely arrived, uh, and your voice is being heard. So I, I think that's a good way to end today. I uh, hope you uh, appreciate the gravity of. Uh, the things that Jesus had said here, and the reaction of the people. Um, It's just a study, isn't it? It's a study in the way people deal with the words from God. In this case, coming through his son, being confirmed by miracles, and not only that, by by words and teaching that cannot be defied. They are the most logical, true, authorized and and confirmed things that were ever taught or said. That's what we have here. And many of them, as it says, many, many believed. That's just what was supposed to happen. But it was it was going to be a struggle to the very end. And by the way, we're still in the same struggle. So let us put our shoulder to the wheel as I, as I would suggest today, and we will uh, offer a prayer that we pray, Father, that we will all be useful to you in your kingdom to be found diligently doing your will and living our lives according to your word, which we know brings life, the life, and brings great contentment to those in faith. And we pray that we will all be returned back to this place the next time we meet, and we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call